that the Bible would demand awe of God as the foundation of religious and moral wisdom is to be expected. But here Solomon emphasizes in the first chapter that knowledge itself must be done with yirah, which is commonly translated as fear, but perhaps better rendered as awe of God. Welcome to Bible 365, episode 236, The Beginning of Knowledge and Wisdom. I'm Mayor Soloveitchik. In the year 1800, an unusual address was delivered at the Columbia College commencement in New York City. The speaker was one of the graduating students, a member of the Jewish community in New York. His name, if you can believe it, was Samson Simpson. Samson Simpson. And the speech that he delivered was in Hebrew, written, or at least guided, by Gershom Mendes Satius, spiritual leader of Sherith Israel in New York. The text of the speech that we have today is preceded by the following sentence from Satius. Echad mehamalamdim, one of the teachers, Hayeshiva Columbia, of the yeshiva, meaning the academy, known as Columbia. Ba'etzli lichtov davar bi'ad habachur shimshon came to me to write something on behalf of the young man, Samson, so that he could speak in public, commencement on the day of commencement, in the holy tongue. That such a speech was delivered, not only in Hebrew, but by a Hebrew, highlights the Hebraic fascinations of early America, in general, and in the academy in particular. In contrast to the academic institutions of Europe, some of the earliest institutions of higher learning in America incorporated Hebrew into their seals. Thus, Columbia's cites a psalm in Latin, In lumini tuo we debemus lumen, by your light, God, we will see light. But in order to express this, the seal gives us the tetragrammaton, the ineffable name of God, in the original Hebrew letters, yud, then he, then vav, then he, with rays of light emerging from it. Similar Hebraic themes can be seen in the seal of Dartmouth and, of course, of Yale whose emblem bears the Hebrew words urim vitumim, which Yale translates as light and truth. These seals stand today as an emblem of what Americans once believed in the university about the pursuit of wisdom and how faith must serve as the foundation of learning itself. As we start a new biblical book, we proceed, Proverbs, with a passage from the book of Kings when the young lad Solomon suddenly succeeds his father. In Givon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I shall give thee. And Solomon said, Thou hast showed unto thy servant David my father great mercy, according as he walked before thee in truth and in righteousness and in uprightness of heart with thee. And thou hast kept for him this great loyal love, that thou hast given him a son to sit on his throne, as it is this day. And now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David my father, and I am but a little child, I know not how to go out or come in. And thy servant is in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen a great people, that cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. Give, therefore, thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people, that I may discern between good and bad. For who is able to judge this thy so great a people? And the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. And God said unto him, Because thou hast asked this thing, and hast not asked for thyself long life, neither hast asked riches for thyself, nor hast asked the life of thine enemies, but hast asked for thyself understanding to discern judgment. Behold, I have done according to thy words. Lo, I have given thee a wise and an understanding heart so that there was none like thee before thee, neither after thee shall any arise like unto thee. Thus did Solomon become known as a king blessed with wisdom and knowledge. And yet, there is a strange tension in this very same chapter, because several verses before this we are told, And Solomon made affinity with Pharaoh king of Egypt, 
and took Pharaoh's daughter and brought her into the city of David. It is the bringing of pagan princesses into Jerusalem that will ultimately undo Solomon's legacy. How can such a wise man, as well as someone so wise about wisdom itself, allow such an event to occur? We will consider this question in episodes to come. In the first chapter of Proverbs, however, we meet Solomon endowed with wisdom, putting forward lessons for life, proverbs and maxims that are valuable for both the lettered and the unlearned. Here is how the book begins. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment and equity, to give subtlety to the simple, to the young man knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and will increase learning and a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels, to understand the proverb and the interpretation, the words of the wise and their dark sayings. This is the introduction to the book, its statement of purpose. What follows in the very next verse is the first proverb or principle. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. This is what we are told first. The beginning of knowledge is the fear of God. This verse can be compared to a verse that will appear in the ninth chapter of the very same book. Reshit Chochmah Yirat Hashem, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Here, we are describing the beginning of knowledge. That the Bible would demand awe of God as the foundation of religious and moral wisdom is to be expected. But here Solomon emphasizes in the first chapter that knowledge itself must be done with Yirah, which is commonly translated as fear, but perhaps better rendered as awe of God. And Solomon, we are told, had great knowledge of the natural world. Thus again, the book of Kings. And God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding exceeding much, and largeness of heart even as the sand that is on the seashore. And Solomon's wisdom excelled the wisdom of all the children of the East Country and all the wisdom of Egypt. For he was wiser than all men, than Ethan the Ezrahite, and Haman, and Chalcol, and Darda, the sons of Machol. And his fame was in all nations round about. And he spoke three thousand proverbs, and his songs were a thousand and five. And he spoke of trees, from the cedar tree that is in Lebanon, even unto the hyssop that springeth out of the wall. He spoke also of beasts, and of fowl, and of creeping things, and of fishes. Why is awe of the Lord, fear of the Lord, important for the seeking of knowledge of the world itself? The answer lies in the fact that our motivation for studying the world will determine what we do with our knowledge once we discover and develop it. Leon Cass once contrasted the traditions of Jerusalem and Athens by citing Aristotle, who wrote, For it is through wondering that human beings both now begin and at first began to philosophize, Wondering in the first place at nearby perplexities, then progressing gradually to raising difficulties also about greater matters, for example, about the occurrences or changes of the moon and those of the sun and stars and about the coming into being of the whole. And Aristotle adds, Wonder at perplexity provokes thought, for all human beings by nature desire understanding. It is especially those natural wonders manifest a sight, for example, the changing phases of the moon or the wandering motions of the sun and planets through the zodiac, that prompt the search for wisdom, end quote. Cass comments on this passage in Aristotle as follows, quote, philosophy born of wonder seeks ultimately to know the nature and being of things, as well as the reasons or causes why things are the way they are. For the Bible, in contrast, the beginning of wisdom comes not from wonder, but from awe and reverence. And the goal is not understanding for its own sake, but rather a righteous and holy life, end quote. So he writes, and as I would put it, Judaism embraces the study of the natural world, discovery of the world, knowledge of the world. But the ultimate goal is sanctifying life itself through morality and holiness, utilizing what we learn on behalf of a God that we fear and love in the knowledge that He is so much holier than ourselves. 
This difference for Cass leads to other profound ones between the Hebraic and Greek traditions. As Cass further put it, quote, the Greeks don't present the human being as being called by God to measure up, to justify the gift of God-likeness. The general theme in Greek poetry, Cass added, is a tragic view, wherein we are creatures for a day, we are mortals, and the gods don't really care for us. They can best teach not to be too big for our britches. The Greeks are more focused on beauty, said Cass, than on justice. And Cass added that for Aristotle, quote, the purpose of the city is to produce the exemplary human beings, and the exemplary human beings are the beautiful ones. Whereas from the Bible's point of view, nobility or the beautiful is not reliable when it comes to justice. For love of the beautiful lacks a fear of God and all which can restrain our darker passions, end quote. This, then, is the meaning of Solomon. All the knowledge in the world, all the natural discoveries in the world, if they are applied unjustly, can become not a blessing but a curse. And, as Cass himself has noted, history in ancient Egypt gives us an example of the most technologically advanced society of its age, which was anything but just, and that description can be applied to other societies throughout history. Thus, if the academies of early America took pains to place God's name or other phrases from the Bible on their seals in the original Hebrew, it was because they sought to remind themselves to study the achievements of Athens, but to never forget the central lessons transmitted from Jerusalem. Today, it is not clear how much of the larger academic world in America embraces either the teachings of Athens or Jerusalem. Jonathan Haidt once commented that, quote, what we call the Socratic method is a way of teaching that fosters critical thinking, in part by encouraging students to question their own unexamined beliefs, as well as the received wisdom of those around them. Such questioning sometimes leads to discomfort and even to anger on the way to understanding, end quote. And then Haidt added that, quote, today, however, students are shielded from argument that they don't like which prepares them poorly for professional life, which often demands intellectual engagement with people and ideas one might find uncongenial or wrong, end quote. But if aspects of the Athenian tradition are ignored in many parts of the academy, it cannot compare, I think, with the scorn that is heaped at times upon the moral and religious teachings of the Hebrew Bible, teachings bequeathed by the Jews to the West, teachings once revered by the American Academy and honored in its very seals. In Uptown Manhattan today, the students of Columbia and Barnard still enter the magnificent Lowell Library, whose foyer floor is emblazoned with the seal of Columbia, including the Tetragrammaton. This was, of course, intended to honor Columbia's origins. But traditional Jews have long noted the fact that, unfortunately, students might traipse into the library and tread unintentionally on the name of God. And as I noted in commentary, it is hard not to see the profound and painful ironic metaphor in this, reflecting the fact that in many realms of the American Academy, knowledge is sought by some while treading on the Hebraic tradition that was once treasured. In 1800, Samson Simpson opened a speech with a description of the story of Judaism in America, and he preceded those words by saying, even though that I am not used to speaking in public, I stood with a full assurance that you will desire to hear what I have to say. The Hebraic seals of many American institutions of knowledge remind us of the importance of a society embracing, in the pursuit of knowledge, the lessons of the Hebrew Bible, whose teachings are so critical to the moral future of our country and of our civilization itself. This is Mayor Soloveitchik. Looking forward to learning together tomorrow.
signing off.